Okay, another sermon. I never feel ready. You think after 20 years I feel confident, but I'm always nervous, always insecure. I know God's word is powerful. I feel weak, sometimes nauseous. No matter how much I work, no matter how hard I try, I never feel like I have what it takes. Okay, Brandon, game on. Smile, Fuck. let's roll. You got this. I'm curious, does anyone else ever have an ongoing war in their mind? An ongoing war in the thoughts, no matter if you're the pastor of the church and you're trying to lead worship and you don't want to mess up a song and you're getting ready to speak and you've got to rearrange everything because things happen, life happens, but there's always an ongoing war. Okay, I've done this for 20 years. I can do this. I got this. And an ongoing battle that makes you feel nauseous and tries to grip you and you know you got to deliver a message and do it again and, and do it again. And, but there's, there's times that the, there's, there's an ongoing war in the mind. I don't know about you, but so often I battle in my mind between thoughts of faith and thoughts of fear. I don't know if that's real with you at times. And so often I, I want to trust God, but yet I want control. Anybody can relate? You want to trust God, but you want control because you feel like you can, if you can control it, you can, it's in your narrative, so then nothing else can happen wrong. When you put it in God's hands, you lose control, which that's the ultimate goal because he wants you to lose control so he can take control so you can find control. And too many times there's, there's that battle between I, I want to trust God and there's that battle between I want to control. Maybe you're like, like this. Maybe you can walk in one moment and feel full of the spirit and confidence that God is with you and that he's for you and that he's called you. And then the next moment you can feel crippled and insecurity and paralyze you and, 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 and it tries to hold you back. In one hand you feel it all and the other hand you feel crippled and paralyzed trying to hold you back. What I've discovered and what I've studied and what I've seen is, is that the mind is a battlefield. Daily. Hourly. It's a battlefield. And most of life's battles are won and lost in the mind. Most of them. The more I've studied scripture of the mind and, and, and the mind also, scripture and studied about the mind and, and looked up stuff in, in, in books, and obviously we, we teach our kids, so we see stuff in science books, and we see all this stuff about the mind. This is what I found out. Most of life's battles are won and lost in the mind. And the Word of God is so clear about the mind. If we can just get this focused completely, God is doing a new thing. We've been talking about this for months. God is doing a new thing. But it, why, and they're like, well, why do you keep talking? Because it's not old news. It's still good news. It's still new news. And he still wants to do something in your life. We have to fight ourselves. We're our own worst enemy. No matter what stage of life that we are in. He's doing it. 
the more I've studied scripture and the mind, like I said, I find out that the battle is won and lost in the mind. And that just di dictates the rest of your life, the rest of your mood, the rest of your, your walk for the day. The good news is, anybody want good news? We all want good news. The good news is, is God's word is powerful. Not just to help you, but to transform you and to renew your mind with truth. That's what it is. That's the good news. That his word is powerful to renew your mind with truth. His word is so powerful. And today we're going to look at... Um, and I'm going to read it in just a minute, but we're going to get into like 2 Corinthians 10 around that area. And we're going to try to get into the mind of the Apostle Paul. Now, that man was crazy. He was crazy before he was Paul. His name was Saul. And he liked to hold everybody's coats while everybody was killing Christians. He had a list of people that he was trying to kill because they, they said Jesus. They said he was the Savior of the world. And... It doesn't matter how bad your life is or how bad that you think you are or if you're an atheist or you're going so far away from God or you're killing Christians, God still wants to use you. Paul is the, the exact example of being used. Gets on his horse, going with letters to destroy Christians and has an encounter with Jesus and literally drops him off his high horse, blinds him, speaks life into him, heals him, and Paul comes back on a horse with letters of the Bible. What a transformation of the mind. Now, yeah, at the beginning, was that hard? I mean, I definitely would have thought the guy who put Paul in the room and had to watch over Paul was like, God, you must be joking. Because I know who this guy is, and he's trying to kill me. I'm a follower. This is a setup. Is this like punked or something? Is there a camera somewhere? You know what I mean? Like... To really trust, and nobody talks about that guy's story, to fully trust God and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help. Because he could have killed Paul. He could have just took him out and said, we're done. We don't got to worry about this anymore. But God told him, look, I'm going to use him. And he's going to do great things. And so we're going to get into his mind a little bit. <coughs> and we're going to watch Jesus renew his mind over time. Renew his mind. Paul's crazy. And I don't know if you think like Paul thinks sometimes, I feel like I do at times, and I know like this is a thought in all of us at times. There's a scripture in, in, um, in Romans 7 that basically is just like this crazy scripture that says, the, the things I want to do, I don't do. And you probably can relate. We all can. And he says, the things I don't want to do, I end up doing, and the things I want to do, I can't seem to do. He's almost sounding crazy. I want to do things, but I can't. And the things I shouldn't do, I end up trying to, I end up start doing. What a battle in the mind to think like the things that are good I need to do, but I don't. But the things that are bad, I keep tending to want to go towards them. Anybody can relate to this? The stuff in life that we, we deal with daily? And, and he almost sounds like he's lost his mind. So we're going to look at Paul and we're going to look and learn how, how did Paul start waging war on his mind? Not against anybody else, not against Pharisees, but he started to wage war on his own mind. And he captured the wrong thoughts, and he started to replace them with the truth and start winning. He started replacing them. 
So this is what Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 4. Here's what he says. We live in a world we do not wage war as the world does. The world we fight are not the weapons of this world, but on the contrary, they have divine power. The weapons we fight are not of this world. There's a spiritual battle going on. We can try to point and place it at somebody, but in the end, there is a spiritual battle happening. We've said it before many times in the past. Do not put a face to the enemy. They're not your enemy. There is a spiritual battle taking place. What are you going to do about it? The Greek word translated is is power. The the Greek word power is translated as dudamus. That's the Greek word for power, which means explosive, miraculous power of God. We get dynamite from that word. Dynamite power, dynamite, dudamus. The weapons we fight with, they have divine power to demolish and destroy strongholds. So if that is the case, the word of God is true, then we got to start applying what it says. And not just hear me preach and go on about your day and keep living the same life. Because when you hear the gospel, here's what happens. There is a responsibility. If you take on the creed and say, Jesus Christ is Lord of my life, then there comes a responsibility to live out what you said. And fully live it out. Now, I'm not saying there's not going to be problems where I do what I don't and I don't what I do. And I, you know, like this... Paul, he sounds like Dr. Seuss. You know what I mean? Like he's just saying some crazy stuff. But I'm not saying that those things won't happen. But how do you fight the mind? How do you get the mind? How do you win the mind? And that's what I want to talk to you today. Win the mind. We got to win this mind. Not lose your mind. Win the mind. We're going to win it. We're going to win it. And it says it destroys demolishes to destroy strongholds. You may not use the word stronghold in everyday life, but what is a stronghold? It comes from the Greek word akuroma. And it's a military stronghold. It's like a fortress. A stronghold's a fortress that sometimes is built in the middle of a city. I don't know if you've ever seen pictures of strongholds, but they're, they're literally like towers that are built around a city in a major stronghold that is kind of like a narrow place, but yeah, and, and, and you can go in, and you can, and you can either, two things can happen. The fortress is surrounded by walls, and it's literally like 20 feet deep, and then it goes up pretty high. And it's where military officials might be kept during a battle to keep them safe. A stronghold goes both ways. It can keep, like, the main people safe during a battle so that they can still be alive and continue to lead. Or it's the other way around, and it's for prisoners, for where they were kept. So the enemy, when they try to attack, could not get to them because the stronghold was so deep and so tall that it was impossible at times to get to them. So he's talking about tearing down strongholds. See, the devil... Our spiritual enemy wants to attack your mind and create a stronghold 
of deception in your mind. That's what he wants to create. So you believe something that's untrue and take you away from God's healing and calling in your life. That's what the enemy wants to do. What does the devil do? And he does a lot, a lot of crazy stuff. But the devil tries to shape your thinking one lie at a time. That's what he tries to do until you're a prisoner of deception in your mind. That's what he tries to do. What, is it, what else does the devil try to do? He tries to tell you something. That you can't trust people. That you'll never succeed. That you're always going to be broke. You're always not going to have a good marriage. You're never going to accomplish anything. God doesn't hear your prayers. God doesn't care about you. That you're never going to make a difference. You're never going to amount to anything. This is the stuff that the devil tries to say to us as he tries to lock us into a stronghold in our mind. How do we battle our minds? Well, the scripture says in 2 Corinthians 10, 5, this is what we got to use. We got to use the scripture. That we demolish arguments in every pretension that is set up, sets itself up against the knowledge of Christ, a knowledge of God. And what do we do with God's help? What's it say? We take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. If you need to know anything about a new thing that God needs to do in your life, this is your anthem scripture. That you take every thought captive. You take it captive. You put it into a different stronghold. You don't have a stronghold. God is my stronghold. You know what I mean? So take every thought captive unto the obedience of who God is. If you're not taking it captive, it's captivating you. So until you do that, and just like Paul, there was moments, man, I'm, he's in the middle of trying to do what's right, but then he gets this mind mixed up. So there's times where he's trying to take it captive, and there's times that he didn't take it captive because he says, oh, man, I, sometimes I want to do what I don't. And he goes into this, but if you can take it captive, we demolish arguments. Arguments in every pre Woo, tension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. If it's not with the knowledge of God, shut it down. If the thoughts aren't taken, if the thoughts don't wrap around the things of God, shut it down. You don't need it. Shut it down. I'll say it like this. If the people you hang out with keep bringing up stupid thoughts, shut them down. You've got to take it. Your mind is more valuable than you walking on eggshells around friends you think you might lose. Man, that'll preach. Come on. And so we got to start shutting it down, even if we have to start shutting out people. Now, this sometimes can feel like it goes against what God, like, well, you got to love. Yes, you do. But if you ain't got a strong enough mind to get up in that, then you need to back up out of that. Because you have to have the mind of Christ. And you got to take every thought, well, nobody loves me. Shut it down. I'm just not going to make it. Shut it down. I'll just everybody. Blah, blah. Shut it down. You got to. You got to win the mind. Or you will lose the mind. And you will find yourself back in a rut. Man, better move on. So obviously, you know the title of the message is Win the Mind. We have to. God is doing a new thing. He's given you a new mind and a new you. 
And as you get a new mind and you become new in you, he starts to do something incredible. When you dedicate your life to God, you make a public display of it, just like people are going to be getting baptized. You're going to see something incredible happen. But don't let it just be a hype moment. Let our lives be that. If you're a Christian and you've served God for a long time, and you're in a rut, you're going to have to get yourself up out of complacency, old dear old Christian, and find the love of God that you first felt when you accepted him and keep burning that passion with him. Don't get caught up and act like you're better than anybody else. At least you fall. Because if not, you will take the mind and it will be locked up in the stronghold that the enemy wants to take you. When I've looked into the mind and I've studied it, and as we're looking into scriptures, I've come, this is, the, this is the thought here, that our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thought. Our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Whatever we think, whatever we do, so when, when we tend to think in our lives, what we think comes out in our lives. So whatever I'm thinking in my mind, it's going to come out in my actions. Our strongest thoughts are going to dictate where we go. And both science and both scripture agrees with this. People who have studied and done research They have done research on the mind. It shows that there's a lot of problems when they're talking about the psychology, the behavior of the mind, the cognitive behavior of the mind. What's happening is it shows that there's a lot of problems actually related um, to wrong thought processes. Some are related to challenges. Some are related to eating disorders. Some are related to addictions. Some are related to some forms of anxiety and, and actual uh, direct to, to toxic thinking. When they've studied the mind and what the Bible is also saying about the mind, that's why, that, that's what, what science is saying, that the, the connection of the mind and the thought process, God's word is true, and here's what it says in Proverbs 23, 7. It says, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. And so when you think these things, just like, I don't know if you were here last week, and if you weren't, go back and listen to it. Pastor Al spoke a message about the heart and the mind being one. And it was a powerful message about the things we think. And, and basically what this scripture says, as he thinks in his heart, so is he. So what do we know? That life, that the life we live so often is a reflection of the thoughts we think. The life we live is a reflection of everything we think. What we think determines who we become. So who we become. In other words, if you, if you tend to think, I can't do something, then you'll be never able to do it. If I can't do it, then I won't be able to do it. I, I, don't, I don't have what it takes. And it, what's crazy to me is too many times we see it with teenagers and we do see it with adults at times. They've already preset in their mind that they can't do something before even trying to do something. And so in their mind, they've already shut themselves out saying they can't do it when they obviously can. Our mind can do so much more than we think it can. And we can do so much more and we can also do so much more with Christ being in the center of it. 
than anything else. But too many times, people have said, oh, I don't know if I can do that. You ain't even tried. You've already failed without trying to fail. Quit doing that. Take that captive. He's trying to use, wants to use you to do great things, but you keep on putting, I'll I, I say it like this, you keep dumbing yourself down. Is that, is that proper? Not offensive? Okay. Um, but you keep doing that. You dumb yourself down to a stand where, like, you just don't. So that's why people, like, act like they can't do something because what did I say at the beginning? With knowledge comes responsibility. And so people act dumb like they don't want to do something and like, well, I just don't know how to do it, so I can't. Until they learn how to do something, then there's the responsibility of doing it. Now you know. Now somebody's going to teach you. I'll teach you once. But after that, it's your responsibility. Now you know. And so th th this is what happens. People, well, and, and they believe the lie, it, it, the outcome. So here's what they think. Uh, well, I can't do it. I'm not able to. Uh, if you think you can't, you probably won't. That's the reality of it. Uh, if you think you can, uh, by the grace of God, you will. If you think you can do it, you can do it. Why does that remind me of a little train that could? <laughs> Remember that when you were a kid? I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. But if you really think you can do something, you will accomplish it. Nothing will ever stop you when you have your mind locked in on it. Only you will stop you. If you dwell on your problems and that the world is bad and it's getting worse and the problems are overwhelming you and everything's going on, but instead, look at a solution. Look at the solutions. If you believe you can have faith, you'll find some solutions and you will see faith arise. We said this in leadership so many times. Don't come to me with a problem. If you're going to have a problem, you better come with some solutions. That's in any business. Everybody's got to point out a problem, but are you got any solutions to the problem or are you just barking? You know what I mean? So if we don't have solutions, but if we can get to a place where we know that God, our minds are wrapped up in you. You're going to renew our mind so it's going to give us the solutions to accomplish what we need to accomplish for the day, for the week, for my life, for my marriage, for my finances, for whatever it is. In so many cases, the life we live, the life we have is a reflection of the thoughts we think. The thoughts we think dictates everything we do. What I want to do today, I want to uh, encourage you to take a moment and just stop and think about um, what you think about. Just think about what you think about. Going to, I guess, hit the button. It's called pause. And we're going to think about what we think about in our minds. Basically, let's just call it a thought audit. I'm not here to audit you. I'm not the auditor. But let's take a thought audit on what we think about. I'm gonna show you three different categories to try to determine where you actually fall on the list. Let's look at the first scale. Worried, peaceful. I want you to look at the contrast of your mindset. Are you categorized with worry thoughts? Are you more tend to, on the panic side, when something happens, anxiety, fear, or you say that your thoughts are typically characterized of being full of peace. When something happens, do you already go to worry, panic, 
Anxiety, not knowing what's going on. Say something happens to your kid and it's out of your control. Do you freak out or do you have a peaceful thought because they got figured out? Or do you already get worried? Because if you're already getting worried, you got to take that thought captive because you've already locked yourself in a prison. With, with Whether it's a child, whether it's a work, whether it's whatever the situation is, do you, when things happen, do you tend to go to worry before you go to peacefulness? We'll start on the, on the left on worry. I mean, do you tend to wake up and have your mind drift towards fear about the day? What's going wrong? Do you worry about your kids? Are you worried about your health? Um, are you worried about the economy? Worried about the state of the world? Worried about who's gonna win the election? Worried about which way it's gonna swing? Are you, are you worried about all the stuff that's out of control in our country? Do you find yourself categorized in worry? When you're, when you're taking on the day and you wake up, is it worried? Are you worried? Is it bad? Do you find yourself casting your cares on God when those things happen, when stuff shoots up? Do you find yourself taking authority over it, casting it on God? And there's peace that's beyond human ability to understand. And, 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 you, and you take a hold of the peacefulness of who God is because he's given that to you. So you grab that because that's your first resort is grabbing him instead of worry and fear. Wh which way do you go? This, this is just all you looking at it and being personal with this stuff. What's your thoughts? The second category, do you, uh, do you drift towards negative? Or do you drift towards positive? Do you wake up and find yourself like negative and critical of people? Are you a critical person? They're always seeing just negative outcomes instead of seeing the positive. And assume the worst instead of believing the best. Do you look at the day and say, oh, it's going to be a hard day. Or look at the rain when it rains and say, oh, my God, this is just, this day is going to be horrible. I cannot believe it. I wish it. What do you, when you, when your thoughts are running, is it negative? Always negative of how busy you are. Um, there's not enough of me to go around. The world's going to hell in a handbasket. Or you wake up with positive faith. And again, even things are difficult. You know that Christ is with you. And he helps you overcome it. And the things are difficult, but you know that Christ is over it. That he's in charge. Things are difficult that you cast all your cares upon him and you, you take down every thought captive. But I'm thankful for God who works all things out for, his, for the good and called according to his purpose. Do you look negative? Do you look positive? Is your first thoughts of things negative or positive? Do you look at the glass, I guess, half empty or half full? Because when that happens, I don't know if you realize this or not, but whoever you sound, uh, surround yourself with, you're puking on them. If you're negative, you're going to put your name. I can't believe it. Blah, 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 blah. It could just be, be like work and stuff. 
you might not like something, but the moment you start spewing negativity to another coworker about somebody else, you've already created dissension in your job. And then later it starts spewing over because now they got this weird thought because they didn't even experience it for themselves. It's just like going to the movies. Don't go see that movie. It is a horrible movie. Well, that's your opinion. I enjoyed it. You know what I mean? So if, if we just went with everybody's negativity. Now, I tell you what, being positive goes a long way. I don't know about you, but I like to be around somebody positive. It makes the day better. It doesn't matter what kind of day it is. Somebody that's going to be encouraging and stuff. Somebody that's going to help uplift, but also even for yourself. Just the environment of positivity goes a long way in the workforce. Amen? I mean, that's real. But we know when we're around somebody negative, all you do later is just roll your eyes like, ah, oh, uh, all negative. Uh. What's her name? Karen? What a poor lady. Like, why is every lady, if her name's Karen, you just think of that one lady? It's sad, isn't it? Don't be Karen. Um, I care about Karen. But, I mean, just in that, in, that, in that little aspect, think about that. Because of that action and all that and, and stuff going on, every time you see something, oh, there's a Karen. Look at that Karen right there pointing her finger at somebody. Her name ain't even Karen. It's, it's Stacy. It's, it's <laughs> Janet. <laughs> it's, oh, he's a Karen. Is he a Karen? Oh, we don't know any day. You know, like, his name is Steve. <laughs> it's Bob. But because of that relatability with culture today, but, but I'm telling you, when somebody's positive, it goes a long way. When somebody's encouraging you and you, you feel like, man, I don't think I can make it, and somebody's like, man, you can do this. You got this. You, you want to be around that. Just kind of gives you that extra breath. You're like, and it's not just me being encouraging, it's the gospel, it's the Christ in me that's coming out, not me. Oh, I can't wait to get around Brandon. No, I can't wait to get around Jesus. I'm not Jesus, please believe. But you see what I'm saying? Because the only Jesus they might see is in you. So are you pulling down the strongholds and casting them down? Are you being worried? Are you being negative? Well, I better get going. Um, <laughs> let's get in a third category. Are your thoughts worldly? Or they drift towards uh, eternal stuff that lasts forever. What, what do they drift to? Does your thoughts be maybe more worldly? Uh, worldly where you're just concerned with what you have and what you wear and how you look and who likes your post and how many followers you have and what everybody else is thinking about you? Holy cow, I don't know if you understand that, but a lot of people are stuck on that. Are they, are they eternal? Are, are they worldly? Like, and the worldly can be about all about you and what everybody, but also worldly can be about other stuff too. Are you carnal? Do you think it's funny to laugh at dirty jokes? Are you carnal because you can, you can you know, live a certain way but still do stuff a different way? <laughs> you can raise your hands and praise God but see naked people on the movies and watch them cuss up a storm. Where do you lie in the worldly and the eternal factor? If I went to your house and picked through your movies, what do I see? If I got on your phone and looked at your playlist, what are we listening to? Are you worldly or are you eternal? This is the real stuff. People don't even care. They're so blinded by it. Somebody told me, he's like, did you see this one action movie? It was awesome. I said it had 63 F words in it. Did you know that? They're like, are you kidding me? I didn't even know that. I said, because I'm just being real and I love you, but you're numb to it. 
You say you love Jesus, but you have veils on your eyes and ears, but hopefully God will unveil you so you can hear this for a reason. I'm not going to waste my money and be like, that was a good movie, but I'll just bypass all the F words and all this and some boobies and this and that. And You're probably stuck on the fact that I just said boobies, you know. But let's be real about it. Why are we like acting like we Christian and then we're okay to watch pornography in movies? Are we worldly? Or are we not? Well, that's a good movie, man. That's my favorite movie. But are you for real? Like if you really call on the name of the Lord, are you going to invite Jesus to sit in a movie with you and watch it? Just cl- plug your ears, Jesus. Oh, cover your eyes. You don't want to see those. It's real talk, man. I'm just being real about it. Because when you finally, fully get your mind in order with God, he starts unveiling and ripping the scales off your ears and eyes. And you start to see things for what they really are. So where are we in this? In our walk? Are we self-consumed? And do we don't care about things? Are we eternal and we're thinking about the things of God? And we're, we're cautious about what, we, what the intake comes into our system. Because honestly, if we're sitting there and we're doing that and listening to stuff that's crazy, if the Bible says that our body is the temple which Christ dwells, what are you doing with that thing? I can't get deep in that, but I got to go. Okay. But these are the real deals, okay? I'm just being real. If, it's, if it feels weird, then just only you can prevent forest fires. Um, because it does hit us. Like, you feel convicted? I feel that. You know, we all have that in our, in our minds. You know, sometimes we don't realize how carnal we were. Go back and watch a movie. You're like, I ain't seen this in a long time. You just put it on. You're like, oh, my gosh. That happened to me. I had a movie, and I put it in, and it was something. And I forget like some Van Damme movie, and man, there was like, I didn't know we went to a strip club, and I didn't know they were cussing like that. I took that thing out and broke it in half and threw it. It was like, was I really that numb? And it's something that's been in the back of this, this whole thing of movies, and I love movies, and I was like, I was blown away. Like, oh my gosh. And those are those things that, like Paul was saying, like, I, I don't want to do it, and I do it, and I do, and I don't, and uh, Oh, that baby. Um, I'm not mad about it. Don't be embarrassed. It's all good. Um, whew. I guess what do you say what characterizes your thoughts? Is this good, church? I know I'm just spending some time just talking. It's a little different today. Um, what we think about matters more than, than you can imagine. The, it, it matters so much more. What comes into your mind is going to come out of your life, no matter what you do or what you have or what you buy and uh, the way you live your life and, and, and where you travel. Um, you can't have, I mean, the bottom line is, is you cannot have a positive life when you have a negative mind. Bottom line. You've got to decide where you are on here, but you can't have it. You can't have a positive life with a negative mind. There's no possible way to live a full, dedicated life to God when you have a negative mind. There's no way that that can happen. Because listen, I'll say it one more time. Your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. And so you can't, again, have a positive life when you have a negative mind. I guess the question I want you to ask yourself and think about is, is your life always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts? And if it is, because we know that it is, are you excited about the direction 
of the thoughts you're thinking about. If, if it's moving in the direction of the strongest, are you excited about the direction your thoughts? I guess I'll say it like this. Are you excited about the direction your thoughts are taking you? How about that? When they're moving in, the, your strongest thought is dictating you to go where you need to go. Are you excited about the direction you're going? Because if that is not the answer of like, no, I'm really not excited about that, then you in yourself have to take it captive and change the thought pass process so you can go somewhere else. I'm sorry if your windows are down. Um, <laughs> it is raining really well. If your thoughts are directing your life and you're looking specifically at your thoughts, you might not like the direction that it's taken you. Look at your thoughts, look at the direction of your life is going and look at your thoughts. Do you like it? I love the sound of rain, it's amazing. Are they consumed with negativity? Are they consumed with fear? Is your thoughts that are directing you consumed with self-doubt? Inner uh, self-doubt? discouraging words, the dialogue in your mind just keeps on discouraging you, talking yourself down over and over again, not accepting or doing things you know you should have done because your thoughts held you captive so you wouldn't achieve stuff? I mean, how many in the past didn't accomplish stuff because you let your thoughts get the best of you? Be real. I don't care if it was in high school. You just didn't try out, or you didn't do it because you let your thoughts get the best of you. And now you wish, you're like, I can't, man, I wish I would go back. And you, or you talk to other teenagers, like, don't go that route. You can do this. But see, God still wants to use you. No matter where you hit the brakes, God will pick it up from that point and do something great in your life if you just direct your thoughts towards him. You've got to win the mind. Your number one personal spiritual priority is to invite God to renew your mind with truth. That's your number one priority, to invite God to renew your mind with truth. God, I need your help. God, I need to be renewed. God, I know you're doing a new thing. Do a new thing in my mind. God, replace all the lies that replay in my mind. I need your spiritual truth. See, the enemy, all he wants to do is keep the real to real going and just keep on rolling your lie, all the lies he's fed you for years. You've got to change it. See, the Apostle Paul, we got to look at him and, and, and know, like, we got to renew the mindset of ourselves so we can win the mind and change our thinking so God can change our lives. No matter what you face, just like I've talked about in the past with change the default, you got to do it. You have to sit down just like you would go to the computer. You have to do it. You have to challenge yourself to change the default. God, you got to renew my mind. It doesn't mean that he's going to. It says that you need to pull down. you got to cast this stuff down. If you have a bad thought, start tearing it down. Don't dwell on it. Don't, don't keep it going so then you can just be petted by somebody else and just keep. Somebody's got to tell you the truth and say, Get, snap out of it. You ever seen people around that just look like they're in the days? Like you want to like slap them around? Wake up. Snap out of it. God wants to use you. There's two foundational thoughts I want to I build on and, and, and give you before we leave. And I hope this is good. The first one is, um, and I want to encourage you with, is the first one is identify the biggest stronghold that holds you back. Identify the biggest stronghold that holds you back. 
Not all the other ones, not the all 75 or 38 or whatever number you got. The, the strongest one that holds you back. What is the strongest one in you know inside of yourself? You need to identify it. You got to identify it. Remember the stronghold. It's 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 your prison of lies. The enemy wants to lock you inside of a prison of lies. What is the mental stronghold that holds you back? Maybe you're thinking over and over again, I'm not good enough. That's the biggest stronghold. I'm just not good enough. Or my past is too bad for God to do something great and use me. Or I can't trust people around me. Or I'm always, my biggest stronghold is I'm always going to battle with my weight. I'm never going to be good with money. I'm never going to be close to God, or I'm never going to be close to God as they are close to God. I'm never going to be in a job that fulfills something I truly love. Or all my relationships are always breaking down. I never get in the right relationship. Or I date psychos. You know, like, whatever the stronghold <coughs> some people do date some psychos, but whatever the stronghold is, like I always fall for the bad girl or the bad guy. Like, you know, this stuff's real, guys. Nobody wants to talk about it. I'll talk about it. You got to break it down. And if you find yourself identifying your negative thoughts, what we want to do is, if you're identifying these negative thoughts, what we need to do is embrace the reality that your negative thoughts, they are changing the chemical makeup of your brain. This is real stuff, guys. We're not making stuff up. This is real stuff. It is changing the makeup of your brain, the negative thought patterns. The reason is because it creates neurochemical changes in your body. Negative thoughts. You're like, am I in a science class? Yes. In the Bible class at the same time. It changes the neurochemical uh, thoughts in your body. When you think a positive thought, let's just be real about this. Just having class here, Sunday school. Um, <laughs> when, you, when you think a positive thought, you get this surge of rewarding neurotransmitters that release a very legal drug, legal, very legal drug called dopamine. When you have this thought and this, this positive, it releases this, this chemical, and it's called dopamine. Everybody know what this stuff is? It's, it's, it's free drugs. Legal drugs. <laughs> it's legal, it's powerful, and every time your brain drops some dopamine, boo, you get this hit of buzz, you get a buzz, you get this surge, it, it, it's thrilling, and some of you like you know, maybe you like and respect somebody and, and the person that you like is an influencer or somebody that you respect or like comments on your post. Woo! Dopamine! Man, did you see that? They, you know how many followers they have? And they, they liked my post? Woo! Woo! You get some of that thrill. You get that dopamine. Or, or okay, ladies, somebody's like, oh, my gosh, your hair looks amazing. Dopamine! Hey, you're doing good with your weight. Woo! Dopamine! My wife texts me and says, honey, I miss you. Can't wait to get home. Dopamine. You know what I'm saying? It's real. Don't judge me. 
dopamine. See you soon. Um, but the reality is, is dopamine's re- like when something positive happens, you get this surge, you get this energy, this excitement in your life. I know we're making some jokes, and Jen does text me. Um, <laughs> it is a positive surge that releases in your brain. And, and, and it's, what's interesting is, is when you're thinking of those thoughts, science tells us that is, it's, it's easier to think on those thoughts again. When you get that dopamine and that excitement, it says that it's easier in your mind to get those thoughts again when you're thinking on them again. Once you think a thought, you create a, neutri- uh, a neural pathway in your brain. When you get that thought, you create a neural pathway in your brain. And literally, we have, I'm just being real, this is science right here. We have billions of neural pathways in our brain that are firing and triggering all the time. And when you think a thought, it it releases that, that dopamine in your life. The more often we think a thought, the more often it connects, the connection becomes there. The more often we think it, it's easier to think that thought again. When the more often you think it, it thinks you can hit it again. So, and before long, whatever we have been thinking about becomes our default thought. Church, come on. So the more we keep thinking, it keeps releasing the dopamine, it keeps triggering that thought, and the more it becomes that default thought. Like I've said in the past, what is the default? What's the thought part process in your mind that's triggering all the time in, in those neural areas that surges through your brain and it's triggering you all the time are you always when something bad does it always trigger you back to your childhood when you didn't have when you were missing out on and when you were neglected when you were abused does your does it keep triggering back to that or do you trigger on the thoughts above on Jesus on hope on peace on joy on you see what I'm saying nobody's saying that what happened wasn't bad but what are you doing about your thoughts I'm trying I can't breathe um See, strongholds, if you believe the lie long enough, you will start to be impacted by the lie and think it's true. If you believe it long enough. And when you get stuck in a rut, and this is what happens in this, it it keeps triggering. But if your mind isn't focused on God and you're not taking captive the thoughts and put them under the authority of God, it keeps triggering the negativity all the time. And every time something happens, it's a shot. You ever been around somebody and you said something and you're like, I barely said anything, and it just like they went off on you? Yeah, that surge is like, dopamine, like busting you up. Like, what the heck did I say? It's like getting stuck in a rut. I mean, imagine this. If I walked in front of my yard and I walked the same path in front of my yard for a hundred days across my lawn for a hundred days, the exact same steps for a hundred days, I am going to create a path in my yard. If you have a dog, you already know what the struggle is. You know what I mean? If, if you don't change the path, if the path is still the same, every time you walk it, it's going to create a rut. Every time. But here's the thing. It creates a neural pathway in our brain. And see, here's this. With God's help, what we've got to do is renew our mind and change the pathways for the positive things of God and what he's trying to do. And if you can change the pathway, it changes everything. 
So it changes the mind, it changes the pathway. You get off the old pathway, guess what happens? You get off the old pathway, you create a new pathway, you, you, you create a new pathway for 100 days, and guess what happens? The old pathway, you don't see anymore. Guess why? The grass starts growing back, the, the rut problem is gone, there's more resistance, it's not as easy to walk like it used to be because you created a path. But, and what I do now is I forge a new pathway because my thoughts are fixed on him and my brain is towards the truth of God, not the negativity of my life and everything I've been through. It's towards the truth and ultimately the truth and it'll start firing and it'll be, it'll be the new thing you're thinking about because the Bible says that the truth will set you free. And so when you think on the things of God, it says that it will set you free. Romans 12, 2 says, Paul says it this way. Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world. There's the patterns, that pathways that the world is trying to offer you. And it's trying to trigger you in a negative way. We, we could maybe say it like this. Don't be conformed to the wrong ways you th of thinking. But he says, be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. Don't be so conformed conform to the patterns of the world. Get off that pathway and be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Oh, what's the rest of it say? I mean, that's amazing. Then you will be able to test and prove what God's will is. You wonder what God's will is? Get your mind on him. He'll tell you. And it's good, pleasing, and perfect will for you. I'm not telling you anything. I'm trying to give you the, the map to your mind. His word is so alive. This is an ancient gospel with today's relevance. Wow, it's still relevant today. So when you put your things on him, you focus on him and you test it and it's good and it's pleasing. It's his perfect will for your life. We're staying off the distraction, the destruction and the negative path and we're creating a new pathway. I don't know how this will play out in your life, and, but maybe your path, maybe your path, path is this. It's a frustrating day at work. Just making up a path here. It's a frustrating day at work. And you come home, and it's been crazy at home. Kids are acting crazy. Wife's been home with the kids. Whatever this situation would look like. And, and all of a sudden, you have an old pathway. You're trying. Paul says, I try to do the right thing, but sometimes I don't. And all of a sudden, it, you feel the tension because your day was crazy, but you don't even know how, how, how mama's day was because she'd been home with the kids all day. You've been working with adults. But you step into your old pathway because of your frustration, but you feel the tension in the house because the kids are acting out, and, and, and mom's done what she can, and she's doing that. But all of a sudden, because you walked into your old pathway, you start yelling at your spouse. You just got home. And so you start to yell at your spouse because you took an old pathway because there was some frustration and then that frustration triggered you back to your old lifestyle of getting on to the spouse for no reason. Then what do we do? We stay off that path. And you capture your thoughts because it could try to rise up and you want to say something. You might have to count to three. One, two, three, three, two, one. What the heck's bothering me? Goose faba. You know, like whatever. <laughs> count to 10. Count to 110. I don't care what you got to do to get yourself back in order in your case. I don't know. And, and maybe say a prayer. And instead of walking a, the different road of frustration, 
you come up and say, I'm sorry, I've had a difficult day, you might hug them and change the tone in the atmosphere and change the path. Too many times because something triggers us, we jump back on the bad path and we start talking like we used to. If you, I'm going to, can we just be real about it? This is back in that category of worldly. If you are doing stuff, and listen, I, st- I get it, things happen, but if you're easily thrown off your path and all you do is cuss somebody out, you got a problem. You got a major problem. Because then you're looking from your old view. That's not who you are anymore. You've died to your flesh. You live by the Spirit of God. That's not you. Now, don't get me wrong. People have done it. We've all said stupid stuff. But we got to recollect. we got to apologize. we got to get our mind. i got to take that captive. And you got to move forward. Don't beat yourself up. You say you're sorry and you go on. Or maybe you feel bad about yourself and you're feel bad about everything else. And, there's, and when you're feeling bad and all this stuff's going on, these are my examples, you find a pathway to the freezer. Now people like to eat their feelings real good. And you start eating ice cream because you feel bad. Or people start, like, like there was a moment where I was just like, look, we eat healthy, but like Oreos aren't healthy and chips aren't healthy. And um, you could eat yourself up out of everything. And try to feel good about yourself. But people do this. There's a struggle where people get so upset and they're like, I just need a Netflix and chill. And you've got Doritos all over your hands and ice cream everywhere. And, but but that, that, that might be an old way, but how do you create the new path? Create a new sense of path. Instead of walking to the freezer, walk to the front yard. Walk to the street. Walk down the street. Start exercising. And this is real. Because the moment you start to do stuff and you start exercising and changing this bad habit instead of sitting down and plopping down in the chair or on the couch, just sitting here and eating everything, there's nothing going on. Here. Get up out of your slumber and walk. Because what happens when you start to do something else and like, I got the mind of Christ. I'm, I'm more than a conqueror. Guess what it does? Dopamine. It releases. When you start walking and exercising, it releases dopamine into your life. It gives you that adrenaline. You start feeling better about your situation. You start walking that new path, and you start realizing, no, I am an overcomer. No, I can do this. You start stepping up in that. When you're bored, what do you do? Sometimes people do this when they're bored. Well, I just pick up my phone. I look at Instagram. I scroll through all my friends, and I scroll through what they're doing, and I hate them. (laughs) Because they're on the beach, and I'm not. How do they live a better life than me right now? You know, we get bored. We start scrolling. We start looking at stuff, and we think, man, I'm just a loser. How in the heck are they always on a trip? How can they afford to be on that trip? Like, why is it your business? Are you their account? (laughs) How can they afford that? Like, like you're their accountant. You didn't check in with me. (laughs) Oh, okay. But you got to create a new pathway because when you create the new pathway, what happens is instead of that, what you do is if you're getting bored, well, why don't you open your Bible app and read the Word of God or, get, get, or, or grab your Bible and, and, and get in the Word of God because you got to put something different in your brain and it says that this thing will renew your mind. So when you feel that way and you feel bored and you feel like boredom gets you in trouble, anybody ever felt that way? Boredom can get you in trouble? Mm-hmm. And you, you get to the Word of God. You renew your mind to think different ways. you got to forge a new pathway in your brain because the more you walk that path, the easier it becomes to walk, the easier it becomes to travel. 
And the more you stay on, off the old path, or the more you stay on the old path, the weaker you get. You weaken your knees. You weaken your walk with Christ. Is this good? Here's the assignment, because we're in class. Um, <laughs> the assignment is, identify the biggest stronghold that holds you back. Like I said, identify the biggest stronghold that holds you back. Just one, not 10, just one. Start with that. What is it that holds you back? You might identify, it might be your identity. Uh, you might feel like you're not loved. That's just one, just one, one major identity. Because you've got to win them one at a time. So whatever the biggest one is, identify it. Or you might wrongly believe that, set it for a thousand days, that you're not good enough. I'm just not good enough. I'm just not good enough. I just can't do it. I'm just not good enough. Or you don't deserve anything good. I'm always going to be broke. I'm just never going to amount to anything. What is your biggest stronghold? You've got to identify it. There's have-beens, have-nots. There's just have-nots. People that feel help, helpless, people that feel hopeless and worried. If life is pointless, you've got to identify the stronghold that is holding you back that makes you feel that way. Because you, I, let's just be real about it. If you don't identify it, the reality is you cannot defeat what you don't define. That's the reality. If you don't define it and you don't identify, you won't defeat it. It won't happen. Identity is the biggest stronghold. And the second one in the assignment, Sunday school, is name the truth that demolishes the stronghold. So if you name the stronghold, then what's the truth that demolishes it? What's the word of God say that the truth is to tear that stronghold down? We say we want to say it, but what does the Bible say? What is it? What is the truth? Why does the truth matter? Well, Jesus said it. It says in uh, John 8, 32, it says, you'll know the truth, and the truth will do what? It'll set you free. So why does the truth matter? Because it sets us free. So why wouldn't we want to know the truth? The lie puts you into spiritual bondage. And you won't be able to do things God's called you to do because you're in a spiritual bondage. And you'll know, listen, some of you are living a life based on a lie. And the Bible says again, and you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now, here's what's crazy. You can be bonded, be in a bondage. I heard this thing, and I know we got to get going. Let me tell you this story before we transition this thing. I, I, I was watching this uh, podcast, and I, this guy told this story about how him and his buddy would like to do pranks with each other. Now, anybody like to do pranks sometimes and do stuff or scare people? There's a lot of places in our church that are like, you could scare somebody because it's just crazy when you walk through the church. Um, but they like to do, they, they did pranks on each other. So basically what was going on is this guy was in his office and he was sitting in his chair and all of a sudden he, he I don't know if it was like spider senses, that's the proper term, but he felt like there was something behind him. And so he turned around and nothing was there, but he looked and he was like, man, somebody's in my closet. <laughs> and so he said he ran over to the closet and hurry up and open the door and was like, hey! And that dude, he actually scared the guy that was in the closet ready to scare him. And so he was like, ah! And so when he did that, he jumped out and slammed the door and, and, and he said that he locked it, which there was no lock. You know, a lot of closets don't have locks, some do. Um, but what he did was he put a chair in the door and he stuck it in there. And he's like, 
you're locked in here, and you're going to be in here all day. Now, mind you, they're in a church office just trying to be godly, and um, and he's because they were just doing this thing where they were just pulling stuff on each other. And he's like, you're going to be in here all day. Now, the problem was that the chair, um, it wasn't true because the chair didn't fit. It was too small. So the chair fell down, so he just, like, like tilted it on it. And he told him, you're going to be in here all day. And, and the the problem was is the guy never tried to open the door. So he's whining. Oh, man, come on. Don't, don't do that to me. Come on, man. Are you kidding me? He's like, all day. And he, then he started laughing. He's like, this guy's not even lo- trying to unlock the door, trying to open it. And he had a meeting. I don't know if it was counseling or what, but he said he had a meeting uh, right after that. So these people come in to sit down and counsel or whatever it was with him. And they're sitting there. And he, he's like, all of a sudden, I started hearing something. And all of a sudden, a tile breaks in the roof. This dude climbed up his cabinets inside his closet, climbed up over, and was trying to jump down into his room. (laughs) And he's trying to counsel, so that looks weird anyway. He's like, man, we're trying to counsel, and you got somebody in the closet listening, you know, like, what's going on here? And, but the dude starts to jump out. He's freaking out, and he, and, and He's like, what are you doing? He's like, you locked me in the room. So I'm just jumping out. I'm climbing, doing whatever I can to get out. He's like, are you kidding me? Why didn't you try to just open the door? It was never locked. (laughs) And and because he believed a lie that an unlocked door kept him prisoner. He believed, truly believed a lie that an unlocked door kept him prisoner. And I want to say this, that some of you right now, might not have exactly what God wants for you to have. You're not living the life that God intends for you to fully live because you're stuck behind an unlocked door. You're stuck behind an unlocked door that maybe the enemy has put a chair and stuck a chair up here and just said that this door is locked. You felt the pressure if you even tried to touch it, but you didn't even try to get out. And there's nothing holding you. And it's stuck. The Bible says you'll know the truth. And it's Jesus, and he will set you free. And the scripture says that we're going to look at one more time. It says this about Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 10.5. It says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Anything that sets itself up against God. And here's what we do. We take captive. We are not prisoners to our thoughts. We take captive our thoughts and we make them obedient unto God. We take our thoughts captive. Whatever it is, we take it captive. The Greek word for captive, is uh, the Greek term is translated as captive is um, basically attack. The Greek word, the term means to attack with a sword or with a spear. So when you look up the word captive, it's translated to a sword or a spear to attack. And I love this church because this is so powerful. 
When you talk about the weapons and you're talking about taking captive, we take every thought captive under the authority of God. Now, when you're saying a prayer, you need to say that for yourself. I, Brandon Norman, I take every thought captive under the authority of God. It comes into his alignment, into his authority. It has no room in my mind. I take it captive. Captive means a sword. Captive means you are attacking. I attack every thought and I take it captive. You see what I'm saying? So when you talk about taking it captive, uh, when you look at Ephesians 6, it talks about us putting on the armor of God, which is amazing because it talks about that we have the helmet of salvation. Amen? The breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, the gospel, the belt of truth, the gospel shoes of peace, or some versions say the shoes prepared with the gospel of the readiness of peace. We put on the helmet, we put on the breastplate, we take the shield, we get the belt on, we put on our shoes. And what's amazing about, the, about this whole setup of the armor of God is that everything I just said is a defensive mechanism. Everything I said is a defensive mechanism. We have one offensive weapon, and it is the sword of the Spirit. It is the Word of God. That's only one weapon that we have in the whole armor of God, and it's the offensive weapon. It's the Word of God. So we take captive the sword. We take it under the authority of God. You have a weapon, church. Everything else that the armor does is to protect you except the sword. The sword is used to take down every thought captive under the authority of God. I'm going to have the worship team come. Every thought captive under the authority of God. We take it captive. We have an offensive weapon. We have to use that weapon. The sword and the word of God, it sets us free. This is powerful because the word of God that is sharper than any double-edged sword and it cuts and it cuts away the lies of the enemy. So you got to use this. The reason I'm trying to be very practical today is because this will set you free. And you got to grab a hold of what is holding you back. And you got to stab it. you got to take it captive and put it under the authority of God. Because if you put it under your own authority, how far has that got you, church? As much as you've done it for yourself, it has not got you anywhere. It might have got you on a small little journey, but in the end, you're still back at it because anytime somebody triggers it, you go back to the old road, the, that old road of, of ruts. We let God's word take captive of anything that holds us hostage. We let his word take it. My question one more time is what is your stronghold? What is the dominant lie that your spiritual enemy has tried to use to destroy your faith, to destroy your life, to kill your relationships, to, to rob you of the intimacy of God. What is it that's hold you? What is your stronghold? A stronghold? Can I just be real with you? That I used to struggle with? Let's put me on blast if we're going to talk about it. A stronghold that I used to struggle with and I, until I grabbed the word of God and I started stabbing it, they're like, no, you are not winning. <laughs> Look like a murder scene. But you've got to take it captive, but one that I, that I was never enough. I used to struggle with never being enough. I'm not enough. I'm, there's no way I can be enough. I'm not enough. I, I'll never preach good enough as a sermon. I'll never preach it good enough. 
I dropped out of speech class because I was afraid to talk to people. I, I'm just not enough. I can't communicate well. I, I don't read good. I'm just not enough. I struggled with it. I, I, I'm not righteousness enough to, to lead a church. If I give my best at church, can I be real, church? If I give my best at church, then I fail Jen and my three kids. Or I'll bring my best at home and I'll fail leading the church that God has entrusted me with. I'm just not enough. I can't, I can't give all to my kids and try to give all to the church. And I just, I, I just can't be enough. I can't live up to your expectations. There is no way. I can't meet with everybody. I can't deliver. I can't get it all done. I'm not enough. And the challenge with that is that there is some truth in it. And I mean, there's some truth which makes it easy to believe because of my own limitations. There's a lot of me that never will be enough. But thankfully, I don't have to rely on only what's inside of me. Because there's a power that's greater than me and that absolutely and completely is more than enough. When you realize that if you feel like you're not enough, that you are enough because he's enough. And when you take a hold of him, because if you try it in your own power, in your own way, you can lose it. Second Peter 1.3 says, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. For the knowledge of him who's called us his own is powerful. I'm going to personalize it. God's divine power has given me everything I need to do. Let me personalize it for you. God's divine power has given me everything I need. He's given me time to do what he's called me to do. He's given me strength to do what he's called me to do. When I'm weak, his strength is made perfect in me. Amen? I've got the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwelling inside of me. His living word does it work that I cannot do. It does a work that I can't do. His word comes alive in me when I can't feel like I'm alive. His power is there for me. He's given me everything I need for a good, godly life. And you will know the truth, the Bible says, and the truth will set you free. What the driving lie that holds you back? And what's the truth that will set you free? Stand with me, church. We're going to close. I hope this was good today. What is the truth? Maybe you think, uh, I can't get it all done. Maybe you think that. Maybe you're like, man, I can't get this done. I can't do this. I can't get it done. And here's your truth, church. Your truth is the Word of God. And the Word of God says, if you think you can't get it done, the Word of God says, I can do all things through Christ that gives me strength. When I'm weak, He makes me strong. Maybe you feel like you're never going to attack 
or, or maybe you, you feel like you're never going to be uh, pretty enough or attractive enough. Maybe I just, uh, people deal with this stuff, their image. That's why they always put a filter on. They don't want to show who they really are. Look at people's Facebook and Instagram. It is rare to see a raw picture of somebody. They put this filter on and fake the funk, man. Show the best, hide the rest. Maybe you, you feel like, I'm just never pretty. I'm never going to add up in that area. Well, let me tell you what the Bible says. Here's your truth, church. That you are fearfully and wonderfully made by the grace of God. You are enough. He's given you gifts to make a difference in the world. Maybe you feel like you're, you're miserable. You're depressed. You're always going to be depressed. You're always going to be struggling. Uh, let me tell you the truth. The truth is the joy of the Lord is your strength. You can make it. The moment you tell the lie, you're going to always be alone. But here's what the Word says, that your God is with you, that He'll never leave you, nor He will forsake you. You feel like you're alone? God's with you. That's what His Word says. What's the truth to your lie? Oh, I'm just nothing but a victim. I'm just a victim. I'm just a victim. No, no, no. What does God's Word say to your lie? I'm an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony. I'm not a victim. I'm a victor. I'm not. I overcome. So whatever your biggest stronghold is, find the truth to demolish it, to put the word of God, to tear down every thought, make it captive. I'm not even who others say I am. That's the stuff you got to start thinking about. I'm not who others say I am. I'm not even who I think I say I am in my mind. I am who God says I am. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Your life, in so many ways, is moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts, church. What comes into your mind comes out of your life. You can't have a positive-filled life with a negative-filled mind. So what are we going to do? We're going to capture lies, we're going to name it, and we're going to replace it with the truth. That's how we win. That's how you win the mind. And by the power of God, you will say no to the enemy and yes to Jesus. You will not stay locked in the prison of your mind. Jesus holds the keys to set you free, church. You will not stay locked in it. You will know the truth. And the truth is not a concept, church. The truth is a name, and his name is Jesus. The name above all names. The truth is Jesus, and it will set you free. It's not a concept. Mm. Close your eyes for a minute. I'm going to pray, and we're going to get out of here. Because this is some good stuff to chew on. People that are here and even online who say, man, I need God's help in this. There's a war in my mind. I want to name the stronghold. I want God's truth to set me free. There's a war in my mind. I have to get, I got to name this stronghold. If that's you, just raise your hand. Yeah, there's hands everywhere going up. That's fine. Yeah, exactly. That's, the, that's half the battle is just go ahead and raise your hand because you already know what, you, what it is. We all have them. Different things we think about. And, it, and if it's you online, 
and you're watching this and you're going to watch this later, maybe put in the chat, I need his truth. Maybe that's you online. I need his truth. And somebody will help guide you through that. Father, I pray right now. There was hands up everywhere in this room. And even probably online who is going to watch this and who's going to watch this in the future. That you would begin to work and renew our minds. God, give us the faith to walk this journey with you. To stay off the old path of destruction and to create and to be on the new path of truth. Renew our minds, God. Change our thinking, God. And change our lives, God. We ask by the power of your word, because that's the only thing that's going to change us, that you would renew our minds with truth. In Jesus' name. Just for a few minutes, they're going to sing this when I lock eyes on you. And then I'm going to give you my last couple thoughts, and we're going to leave. Go ahead. When I lock eyes with you, just for a few minutes. See my just listen to these words. Get your thoughts on him. That's how you're going to win. If you need to keep your eyes closed and just focus, just do it. You're my obsession when I lock eyes with you. Oh, when I lock eyes with you. Hallelujah. 